Well, hello there, North Missionary Baptist Church family. It's good to be with you today with our midweek discussion as we look over the sermon for this week and talk about it a little more as pastors. We do not have Pastor Spencer with us today. He's away at a meeting, couldn't be with us. But we have the three of us here, and so we will do our best this morning to go over this with you. Kind of entering a new section of Ephesians, getting to the end. Paul's going to start wrapping things up as we're in Ephesians 6. The focus this week was really just verses 10 through 11. And I felt it important as we get to this section to remember the context of Ephesians, to remember where we're at, because this is a a letter, again, that was penned and written, and when first read, the whole thing would have been read, right? You would have just read through it and and gathered all that in. But as we go through it verse by verse, how we've been doing, it can become segmented to us, and we can kind of lose sight of really the whole thrust and purpose of this passage. And so I thought it was important for us to go back and to remember what Paul had been talking about, what he had been doing. And you remember in Ephesians, the first three chapters really talk about all about what God has done. I think there was only one instance in in chapters one through three where we are told to do something, and it was remember. It was to remember what Christ had done. Uh, And so as we get to chapters four through six, then it became more of, all right, if this is real in your life, if if God has shed his grace on you, right, with faith, then how does this now play out in your life? And so it talked about unity as believers a lot, um, started talking about our relationships, and so that's where we've been at. And now Paul's going to, he gets to this part in chapter in verses 10 through 11 of chapter 6, and he's telling us to stand firm. And it's important for us to realize, stand firm, what does that mean against what which he talks about, he talks about Satan. Next week we'll be looking at principalities, the powers, all these things that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but there's a spiritual battle. And so we'll talk about that more this, this coming week in the sermon. But there's a good warning here because Paul's saying to, again, to, to spirit-filled believers, he's warning them about how easy it is to be pushed back right? How easy it is. And so it's like, well, what are you talking about? Push back to what, you know, what is happening here? And the answer to that is, is sin. And it's, sin is something that we don't enjoy talking about, but I think it's a reality that we as Christians need to remember that, yes, it's something that when, when we have been saved, that Christ has saved us from all our sin, past, present, future sin, but we still wrestle with our sin. It's still a battle in our life. But, but God has given us a way to fight that sin. As Christians, we believe Scripture tells us we're no, more, we're no longer ruled by sin. It's no longer our master. We're not slaves to it anymore. That through the power of the Holy Spirit, we actually can see growth in our life to overcome sin. But the way the Bible talks about sin is it becomes very evident that as Christians we'll never obtain this perfection on this earth to where we're not sinning anymore. I know that some people teach that, uh, but I don't believe that the Bible teaches that. Um, and so what do we do with that? What do you guys think? There needs to be a good balance in our life of recognizing sin 
and dealing with it versus also knowing Christ, what Christ has accomplished for us when it comes to our sin. You guys, you guys understand what I'm, what I'm saying there? How do you in your lives maybe, or, or how, how do we do that? How do we keep a good balance so that we're not always defeated by sin, but we're also not getting to the point to where we think sin's not an issue for me anymore. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I got all this stuff under wrap. How do we walk that line? What do you guys think is the answer for that? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was great. You had your first moment with Scott yeah. that we've all had when you look at him yeah. and he's like, you're up. Yeah, you, go. <laughs> you got this. I mean, I think for me, it, it is, a, it is a challenge because I mean, part of it may be, you know, kind of you, you know, our, your background, like, like religious background, like for me growing up Catholic, although it was very nominal, but it's very much you know, you're taught, it's instilled in you in a young age to try really hard, you know, to pray the rosary bead and to, you know, to pray the Our Father, and then that would give you favor with God. And so I've, I've wrestled with the, um, you know, trying to almost like kind of, okay, I need to, yes, I need to, I need to do, you know, let me, it's clear in Philippians, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's this idea of like you work out your muscles, you exercise, you know, we're, we're having to, we need to work, build up the spiritual muscles, if you will. That's the sanctification process. But at the same time, I've struggled with throughout my years of being a follower of Christ, just <clears throat> being my identity in Christ and just knowing that, well, Christ has done this. He's already completed this. So, I just have to respond to that. You know, Martin Lloyd-Jones would always say, be what you are, you know, be what you are. But for me, it's easier for me to kind of get into this mode of like, okay, I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to, you know, got to have my, my devotional time, got to have my prayer time, make sure I'm covering all my bases, you know, which is good. But I think that balance is hard. Some people, I think, lean too far in the other way. We're like, oh, you know, I'm in Christ, everything's great, and they don't, they're not putting the effort in like they should. You know, whereas others like myself sometimes fall into like doing, maybe trying to perform or do too much. So I think it's that balance, you know, and part of it may be your background, you know. But I do think, as you said really well, Pastor Tim, in your sermon, that there is this kind of, oh, you know, wretched man that I am, woe is me. We can be very like sin. I'm, I'm just defeated. You know, I'm no, I'm a no good, rotten sinner. Yeah. You know, and and. That can be very, I think, detrimental. To yeah. Us, you know? yeah, because I tried to bring us back uh, in the message to remember to remind us of some of Ephesians. And so I went to Ephesians chapter two. <laughs> and it, it was interesting as we went through Ephesians together. Ephesians chapter one is like this great chapter on all this stuff God has done. And you're like pretty excited as you're going yeah. through chapter one. And then Paul like gives you a haymaker in chapter two, verse one through three, and is like you are a sinner. You're he tells you yeah. all this stuff, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is this sounds horrible." Yeah. As you look in verse, like you actually serve Satan, your master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. all this stuff, and you're you're kind of floored by it. Uh, but that is just the truth of who we are apart from Christ. We are right. sinners without any hope. There's no peace in our life. We we try to manufacture peace. The world tries to do that, but it's not true. Uh, there's no true joy there. But then in verse four, it says, but God, and it starts to talk about, Mm -hmm. Paul goes right back kind of to what he was talking about in chapter one, Mm -hmm. but God has done this for you, all right? And he's poured out his great immeasurable kindness and rich. All of a sudden you see all this stuff that in Christ 
we have received, this work that that Christ has done in our in our life. And so as believers, we then sit in this place, and Paul understood this very clearly, and I think this is why he's bringing it up now, is he's he's telling this church and these people, and, and thankfully to us, saying, stand firm in the Lord, be strong in him, know what he has, know what he has done. But this Paul is the same guy who would say in first Corinthians chapter nine to discipline yourself, just like a boxer or just like a runner. And so there's these actions on our part. I think the two terms that would be maybe the technical terms, maybe there's some better technical terms than this, but we tend to go to one side or the other. We can be legalistic, which is the rules that you were talking about, uh, Dave, of like, it's 7 o'clock, I, I got to read four chapters. <laughs> At 7.30, I should be done with my four chapters, and then I will meditate in silence, <laughs> right? And then I'll do, right, we, whatever it might yeah. be. And if you didn't accomplish that for that day, you go to bed thinking, oh, wretched man that I am, <laughs> right? Well, on the flip side, on the, on the end, other, other end of the scale, you have antinomianism, <laughs> which are people who are like, grace covers it, don't worry about it. And it can get to the point to where you start to say, well, I can do this because God's grace covers it. Mm -hmm. So I will sin. I am going to do this. And so both ends are extremely dangerous. Mm -hmm. And actually in the book, The Whole Christ, if you've ever read that by Sinclair Ferguson, which is an awesome book, uh, it says both are the same sin. (laughs) They're both legalistic. But... We need to be living in the middle of that Mm. to where we understand sin still is an issue for us, not a saving issue, not a not a going to hell issue because of my sin, because we believe Christ has accomplished that. Mm -hmm. But it's an issue that we want to get better at. And so God has allowed us to be a part of that process. We're not some robots, you know, where it's like you are now mine and it's everything has changed now. You're completely different. No, there's this process that we we get to take part in to where we are trying to put sin to death in our in our life along with God and the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Um, and what comes up, the question that comes up, which I, I tried to address in, in the message, would be, why doesn't God then just get rid of the sin in our life? Mm-hmm. Right, as believers, wouldn't it be easier? I mean, he did all this stuff through Christ for us. He We... We believe that, right? We, he saved us, justified us, redeemed us, promised us a place in heaven. Uh, we are heirs. We were adopted as children. Like, all this stuff, great. Okay. Why didn't he just throw in there the whole, you don't, you're not tempted by sin anymore? Mm-hmm. You guys got anything with that? I tried to bring it up in my message of, of what, what Paul, I think, teaches and Scripture teaches, and of it being God uses that sin in our life to continually draw us to him mm-hmm. to grasp onto him understanding that it's not in my strength it's not in what i do it's again i'm going back to what he has done so for me 32 years into my walk with christ you know i believe i believe god saved me when i was young like 7 years old yet still selfish like like all the time and it seems so easy i mean we teach our kids share you know or did you even think about your brother when you did that no isn't that selfish yeah think about him well i think one dynamic of this that i was going to bring up is 
you know, repentance is a is a clear command in Scripture. It's part of conversion is repenting of sin, and I think one of the reasons why this what you're the dynamic you're talking about happens that we still continue to struggle with sin is, I think the the more mature we seem to grow in our faith, the more real and present our sin seems to be to us. Like it becomes clearer to us. The clearer we can see God, and the more we know Him the more we see ourselves as a sinner, right? Because who God is and his character illuminates the the wretchedness of our hearts. Mm. And so, you know, if you think about it maybe like this, you know, when you first became a Christian, maybe you became a Christian later in life. When you first became a Christian, there were very obvious things to you that you were living in that were sin. And those were clear to, to cut away. But now, say you've been a Christian 10 years, there are things that you never even thought were sinful, but just in your growing in knowledge of Scripture and closeness to the Lord, you now see that it's not just like this action I do, it's this deep-bedded attitude that I have or this disposition that I have that just seems to be part of my person, but I know because of what Scripture says, it's sinful. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. part of the reason is that the more we seem to know God, the clearer it becomes to us that we are sinners. And um, that that's uh, that just continues to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah, in 1 life. Corinthians 13, the, the love chapter that Paul yeah. writes, towards the end, um, he talks about, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. But he says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And I feel like, I don't think this is what Paul's talking about exactly, but as we grow in the Lord over time, that mirror does get a little clearer and clearer for us, and we start to see, that's what you were talking about, we start to see ourselves really for who we are. Mm-hmm. And so when we're first saved, or you know, learning about God, we're, we're doing actions that we think God would want us to do. Well, then as we, get, as we grow more and more, we start to realize, we start to think, why am I doing these actions? And we start to see in our heart, I'm doing these actions uh, really to make myself look good, or it's turned into that. Mm-hmm. Well, I never thought about that when I was 10 yeah. or 12 or whatever, a new a new believer. Mm-hmm. But now as I'm learning more, I'm starting to see this deep-seated sin. I'm really starting to understand what Jeremiah was talking about when he says the heart is evil and wicked. Mm-hmm. Like, I see that in me. I know that God has saved me. I know that he's forgiven me. I know that Christ's blood is over me. But yet I still have this sin nature, this heart that deep down is all about me all the time. And that becomes revealed more and more and more. I, I remember at a pretty young age as a teenager, I remember thinking, and I would have to guess some of our teens, uh, Pastor Scott, deal with this too. I remember thinking, I think it'd be easier to not be a Christian. Mm-hmm. They're like doing whatever they want and they're having fun. With no consequences, and here I am feeling horribly guilt-ridden all the time because I stepped out of bounds a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. And and so then I start comparing myself. I'm way better than them. I'm th- you know morally, I'm thinking in my head. I don't curse. I'm not sleeping around. None of this stuff is happening for me. I'm not out drinking, but yet I feel guilty because I laughed at a joke. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. man, I, it would have just been easier if I would. I'd have to think a lot of people go through that stage in their walk with Christ, probably at some point in that of like been saved for four five years, six Mm -hmm. years. And you start, but what that is, is it's actually a fruit. 
in your life show if this is how I look back at it now where that was real in my life God was just working in my life mm-hmm. you know and he was revealing sin in my life and yeah Satan was working hard on me to say yeah see it would be easier you should mm-hmm. just you should just go do that you'll have no guilt yeah, yeah. um I, I think I mean I mean what comes to my mind specifically just because we've recently read this and talked about this book on a Sunday morning is the Pilgrim's Progress that's exactly yeah. what happens mm-hmm. uh, when Christian starts on his journey he's immediately discouraged from going by the people in his life and he meets people along the way too that want to take easier routes they want to take it easy and he says no we're supposed to stay on the the narrow path mm-hmm. even though that path looks the hardest and I think that's true. I mean, you think about where we're at in Ephesians. I mean, we're being told to put on armor. <laughs> What's armor for? Yeah. Battle. Yeah. You know, that that's definitely not an easy life. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, there's a cost to it, but yeah. there's also great reward. Yeah. I read an extremely long section of a book yesterday, which made me very uncomfortable when I was reading it. But he said something in there, Ian Duguid, in his book, The Whole Armor of God, which is a really good short book on this section of Ephesians, but he said, you've been called to take up your cross, not your armchair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because I don't know how many times I've counseled with people or went through this in my own life where sin has gotten to me. I've failed. And I think I must not be a Christian because this is too difficult. I keep failing. Mm. I keep falling. And if I was really a Christian, this wouldn't happen. I would be conquering this sin. I wouldn't continue to deal with it. I would see improvement happening here. And it was really good for me to read that book and to really understand this passage to say, this is the cross that you are bearing, right? You are going to continue. It is a war and a battle. Now, remember, Christ has won the war, but he hasn't come back yet. And he hasn't established his kingdom fully here. And so the battles keep raging on. Satan's going to keep fighting. And this is the fight. And I have to understand that, that it's not this easy walk. And and for me, again, I don't want to water down sin. I'm not trying to do that. But it's, it's almost like just that recognition of, of guilt and some shame in this sin is kind of pointing me to the fact See, my father does love me because he's disciplining me. Mm-hmm. He's letting me see this sin. He's not letting me walk in it just lackadaisical like, oh, well, move on to that. No, he he's refining me, and it's a slow process. I wish it would go so much faster. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is part of that taking up the cross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but remembering, again, that Christ is the one who actually took up the cross, mm-hmm. and it's because of him that I am free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and God is gracious to give us examples of this in scripture. I mean, you you even brought up Peter mm-hmm. in your sermon of how he said, "I'm strong. I can do this." Yet Jesus looked at him and said, "No, you're going to deny me before the sun comes up." You know. Yeah. And he did. Mm-hmm. But what did Christ do? Did he say, mm-hmm. "You have no part of me anymore?" No. Jesus came to him, yeah, and brought him back in. Mm-hmm. And even after Christ ascended into heaven, he, P- Peter, we still know from Scripture, was acting hypocritically at times. He was mm-hmm. called out by Paul for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he still had mercy. God still mercy on him. And I think, you know, one of the dynamics we're bringing up here is that there are both sides. We need to hear both sides of this. And uh, 
uh, a friend of mine had once said that one of the great benefits we have of preaching Scripture is that it helps us, uh, and that sometimes a, a good sermon will comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, that there are people who are just kind of sitting tight, thinking they're fine, how they are, that they don't need to go to war against their sin and pursue the Lord. And those people need to be afflicted because you're in grave danger uh, in doing that because our enemy is real, like you'd said. But at the same time, there are people who are wallowing in their guilt mm-hmm. and they're not seeing the victory that Christ has already won. Yeah. Um, that Satan himself already knows about, like yeah. you said in your sermon uh-huh. too. And those people need to be comforted by grace, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and Scripture does both. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked your quote, you know, um, because it just it's a reminder. I think part of it, part of the rub, if you will, of living in our culture, especially now, is there's so much pressure, you know, for people to to like pull up your bootstraps, like you said, you know, mm-hmm. meaning like to try really hard. Well, it's the American way. American I mean, way. it's what we've been taught, yeah, you know, yeah, self-sufficiency, mm-hmm. independence, autonomy. And when you, when you're faced with, with scripture and the reality of our sinfulness and our absolute brokenness and neediness, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow because we're taught the opposite. We're taught be strong, be yourself, be your own person, right? And I think for like you know young people, like I was thinking about that when you're during your sermon, and I'm like, this is really good because they're hearing so many, you know, contrary messages, mm-hmm. you know, um, and 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 yet Paul, like you you quoted Second Corinthians, you know, Paul says, "This thorn I've been given in my flesh to keep me from being conceited," and I'm like, how many times has a thorn been in my flesh? For God to be like, up oh, now I'm going to curb your pride because He knows our our absolute clinging to our our, our own self, you know, mm-hmm. and our own self righteousness, and how He gives us those thorns. So, you know that that's that was a good reminder uh, of how much we need Christ, how bigger, much bigger as we are. Yeah, I often try to think and wonder uh, what you guys were talking about yeah. as we look at like our congregation. How many of them are the people who think I'm all good versus how many of them are wallowing in guilt and and shame? And as I've grown some, I I used to think a lot of Christians were the people who like, I'm all good. I think it's changed. I think it's changed quite a bit. Maybe maybe when I was younger, because I used used to hear people say like, uh, when you go down south, it was the hardest group to reach because they all thought they were Christians. They all thought they were good. It was kind of like this. Well, there was a sense of that feeling, though, like in churches here. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people here, but are they really Christian? They just think they're all good because they come to church or whatever. But it, it seems that that, that that has kind of flip-flopped to where now I hear a lot more people doubting their faith or are really struggling with their sins. You're more of a Puritan scholar than me, Pastor Day, but whenever like a young person is like telling me, oh, I've been reading this book by the Puritan, I think, oh, you probably think you're the worst thing in the world right now. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And that usually is the case. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and they're just struggling with their, their sin, and they're thinking, I thought this about a girl, and I saw this on, on a movie, and blah, 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 and I, there's no way I'm saved. Uh that's why I think it's so important to be reminded about grace, and I really think that is what's going to reach more people in our in our day and age is is talking about that. 
uh, I don't want people to think either that we are like mad that in America we teach teach to pick yourselves up. I think that's a good lesson. I want my kids to know that. Work hard. Yeah. Right. There are opportunities out there. Go Absolutely. try to get those opportunities. And I think it. I think it does come into the Christian world well that when you understand what Christ has done for you and you're actually willing to say, it's not about me, it's actually about all he did. But then you start to study about sanctification and the fact that God does want you to grow in his grace. Then it's like, now pick yourself up and go. Like, read God's word, know it, uh, love people, be kind, you know, be a part of a church, do these things. Then you start to see that American mentality actually be a big benefit. It's a mm-hmm. beneficial thing. Uh, within the within the life of a church body, uh, but I just I I just was wondering that you know what is the groups, and I do think it's kind of flip flopped, and I don't know I I don't know if that's what you guys are seeing, but I just seem to feel that like in marriages, talking to people like our marriage is just awful. Yeah, I think know, or whatever that's become much more clear to me the more counseling I do mm-hmm. with people, uh, you know, whether it was at a previous church or here. It's pretty obvious people struggle with guilt, mm-hmm. and they they think that they're horrible people. And, you know, I think when I was a younger preacher, which I'm not old, but I've been preaching a while now. When I was a younger preacher, I used to be really zealous for the commands in Scripture. Do this, mm-hmm. right? This is what you do. Because what I saw around me were people who weren't doing anything. Right. And people who didn't seem to realize the the real nature of our faith and what we are called to do. But the more I got to know people in their lives and counseling through issues or whatever like that, it was actually their lack of action is actually more of a lack of understanding of God's grace towards them. Mm-hmm. And the more they understand that, I think that's that's motivation. Yeah. Uh, and that changes our hearts and lets us see that God is not angry with us. Um, in fact, he loves us and it makes you much more comfortable. Like when you come to a, a passage that emphasizes God's love, I think a younger preacher is really hesitant to preach only God's love. Um, but I think those tend to be the, the passages that honestly convict people more than anything Mm -hmm. to see that God would love you a sinner, Mm -hmm. but he does. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think there has been a shift, you know, I haven't been here obviously long, but I noticed, like, you know, in my previous church, just the, the, the importance of people needing to be reminded about God's grace. You know, that's been so vital. I think what COVID did, I mean, COVID did a lot of things, but a big thing I think COVID did was it, it just exasperated or brought to surface so many things that people are dealing with. Anxiety, depression, you know, social isolation. isolation. Obviously, that, that was a big thing that came out. And I think people have been kind of, feeling like this, oh man, all this stuff has come out because everything in the world changed, you know, and, you know, it's easy for people to fall into that, the victim mindset, you know, or like, you know, no, you know, what was me like this negative? I mean, I, he- I hear a lot of like negative talk, you know, self, self negative talk or people having negative talk about themselves. And so, yeah, I think, I think that was really good in your sermon is you brought it back to, okay, let's, before we talk about you know, let's fight this war and battle. Let's remind ourselves of what we have in Christ. That is something I think Paul did so well in all of his epistles is he he always talked about in Christ. That that phrase, like you said, in Christo, in the Greek phrase in Christ was used, what, 80 times? Mm-hmm. You know, and he that was so 
paramount because people, Christians in his day and our day, same, need to remember who we are and what we have. Mm-hmm. Well, where we're heading, and I, I talked about this a little bit at the end of the sermon on Sunday morning, was Paul says to stand strong and to stand firm, but he, but then he gives us why, like what is the purpose for it? And he says, because we stand and fight against against Satan, right? Uh, let me read it in verse 11. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And I'm sure we'll talk more about this this week because of the next verse there. But just real quickly on Sunday morning, just a reminder that Satan's real. The Bible speaks about this. I think some people give him too much credit. You know, Satan is a being that's not omnipresent, that's not omnipotent. Uh, he can't be, you know, so that means he's not everywhere all the time. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Now, I can't get into the particulars of how does he move, how fast can he move. I don't, I don't know all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> but I know the Bible is very clear that there's Satan, that he has followers in the spiritual realm, and that Satan is very crafty, that he's working to destroy the kingdom of God and the people of God, and he'll do whatever it takes to do that. And he uses religion sometimes. He uses our our uh, selfishness. He uses our guilt and our shame to make us almost paralyzed that we don't do anything. Um, but there's there is a push nowadays to say that that's not real. The Bible's talking about like an evil force or something. But there's not this Satan, you know, with the pitchfork and all that. And while I would agree, it doesn't have a pitchfork, but there is a devil. And this is what Paul is getting to now when talking about the armor of God, saying, put on Christ, put on the armor of God, because every day is this battle. And I think all of us, like we've been talking about, we've been Christians very long, we understand this to be true, because uh, we feel it, because we know it, because we've we've been through it. And anybody who's taking their walk with the Lord serious knows how how tough of a battle it really is. Uh, and, and so we'll get more into that talking about Satan and the principalities and powers, but I would have to think these these verses are going to come up again. I had them read this week, but Romans eight is probably going to come up again Mm -hmm. that no matter how much those forces come up against a child of God, you cannot be all of a sudden proclaimed as not a child of God anymore. It doesn't work that way. It's a once and for all thing and nothing can separate us uh, from God. And so we, we need to have that in our mind as we fight these battles, you know, as whatever battle I'm going through, it's not going to conquer me. It's not going to uh, rid me of the love that God has poured out on me in Christ. And and that should then motivate us to keep fighting and to keep going. And kind of like that boxer mentality that I'm thinking of is that guy who got knocked down again, but oh my gosh, he's getting up again. That's who we need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I got knocked down again. But I'm going to get up because I know how this ends, and it ends in victory, right? Mm-hmm. It ends with me winning this. Uh, so that's kind of kind of where we're headed. I encourage people to to keep reading, to keep reading ahead, uh, to read more about the the armor of God and what all that is, what all it entails. We'll get there probably not this week, but then the following week. But we also will have to take a break for for Easter, which is coming up pretty soon. I don't know if we'll be done by then or not. We'll we'll see how it goes. You guys got anything else? You wanted to add before we go? No? All right. Well, we appreciate you uh, joining us uh, by this podcast. I hope these midweek discussions are, are somewhat helpful. I know I enjoy doing them with the other pastors and getting their thoughts and on these on these different passages. And hopefully you're 
studying them as well. Hopefully these are helpful to you as in your walk with the Lord. That's really why we want to do all of these things. We we do podcasts, we do this midweek discussion for our church family to help you grow in the Lord. That really is the, the purpose. And if these are taking away from that, not doing that, then it's something we, we need to stop and not do anymore. Uh, but we have heard from enough people where we feel it's being it's been helpful to some, and so we we hope that that we hope that that continues on. We hope that uh we'll see you this coming Sunday in church. Uh, if you haven't been back to church in a while, we're still here. Uh, we'd love to love to have you back. I'd uh, love to love to see you um, because there's a a great joy in gathering together, and we see Scripture talk about that. Also, gathering together in person, singing together, worshiping together, hearing God's word together. So we'd love to we'd love to see you back. Uh, and so, well, we hope you have a, a good rest of the week. Hope it's a, a blessing. And again, Lord willing, we'll see you back here on Sunday. God bless.